This is Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Ann Hill, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Robert Moss, uh, eminent dream shaman and uh, author of several books, the most recent of which is Dreaming the Soul Back Home, Shamanic Dreaming for Healing and Becoming Whole. Robert, welcome back to Dream Talk Radio. Good to be dreaming with you, Anne. Yes, very good. On this beautiful day yes. in Santa Rosa. Yes. Well, I have to say, I loved your book because it really... Um, it draws out a lot of different ways to use dream reentry. Essentially, would right. you is that a fair characterization? Yes, it is. Dream reentry for me is the royal road to soul recovery. What mm-hmm. do these words mean? Well, first of all, a dream is a place. You've been somewhere mm-hmm. in your dream. You can learn to go there again, well, consciously, it's wide awake, lucid dreaming. You can go back inside the dream. Why would you want to do that? All sorts of reasons, but the reason that is the focus here is because your dream may give you a map a doorway to find a part of yourself that hasn't been fully with you for Mm -hmm. some time. It might be a child part of yourself that went absent or missing because of bad stuff in childhood. It might be an aspect of yourself that you've never claimed because you haven't wanted to look at every part Mm -hmm. of yourself, which is a concept well understood in Western psychology. But it goes beyond all of that. Maybe your dreams are showing you where a greater part of yourself, a connection with your greater self, is to be found. Maybe your dreams are showing you where your animal spirits, the part of you that is the bear or the deer or the rabbit that you need to feed and embody in your life is to be found. Maybe your dreams are showing you where ancestral healing is to be found, Mm -hmm. either in the sense of helping the ancestors who are stuck and confused to move along, or in the sense of connecting with the bearers of ancestral wisdom. For all of these reasons, going back inside a dream might be a very cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so this book shows how learning to journey consciously through the gateway Mm -hmm. of a remembered dream can lead to wonderful things. So let, let's talk a little bit about soul recovery, which is what, mm. what, how you phrase the, the term. Yeah. Um, a lot of the listeners to my show are, are familiar with soul retrieval. Can mm-hmm. you speak to the difference between the two? Well, my friend Sandy Ingeman wrote a book called Soul Retrieval back in 1991, which popularized that phrase, and soul retrieval is recognized as a term for an operation, a healing operation, which a shamanic practitioner makes a journey to recover something that is missing in the client and typically restores it to the body, the energy field, by a physical operation, by blowing that energy back into the body. I've done this many times. I've taught people how to do this. Soul recovery, as I use the phrase and explain it in the book, is about something I think that is even more important. It's about helping and empowering each other to become the shamans of our own souls and the healers of our own lives. Instead of letting the shamanic practitioner do everything, we learn to support each other as we make the journey that might be required to find mm-hmm. the rest of us and get it together. And we, we support each other as friends. I mean, mm-hmm. it might be good to have a frequent flyer who's been around the lot a few times and out of the lot even more times in order to assist you with this process. But my contention is that our dreams will give us our authentic roads to follow mm-hmm. on the way of soul healing. Of course, many of us in our culture are suffering a dream drought. Many people in this culture do not remember their dreams, do not have a connection with the night do not remember hypnagogic experiences and a challenge when it comes to doing visualization of any kind. Yet I maintain that everybody remembers something. And I've had great success, and I report some of these stories in the new book, helping people who haven't remembered a dream literally for 30 years to use the last dream they remembered, maybe from childhood, Mm -hmm. maybe from their teens, as the portal to go find the younger part of themselves that is the mm-hmm. beautiful dreamer. So the fun to, in summary, the fundamental difference between the terms soul retrieval and soul recovery as I use them 
is that soul retrieval is a shamanic operation where the practitioner essentially does the work, and then you are left to try and integrate and get it together. Mm-hmm. Soul recovery is a process by which you are guided to become mm-hmm. the shaman of your own soul. I think right. that that's a very empowering thought, that we can do that. There is a difference there, although you, it sounds like you do hold the container for that to happen, which is a powerful role in itself. I mean, I don't know that this is something that most dreamers could manage on their own, even with a trusted ally, a tracker, as you would call it. Well, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a skeptic about this. I recognize that some of us have pay, faced major difficulties in life and that in addition to losing part of ourselves, we may have suffered the bad consequence, which is that stuff comes into us and into our energy field that does mm-hmm. not belong. Mm-hmm. That might require some clearing and you might need help with that. So, yes, there are certainly situations where we need active assistance and mm-hmm. intervention. And, yes, it is easier to do this in a circle of active dreamers of the kind that I lead where we have the supportive energy growing of the whole group mm-hmm. to assist the whole operation where we have the drumming to focus and fuel whatever you're trying to do and where you might have one or more friends come with you as trackers into your dream space Mm -hmm. to support you. Nonetheless, a great deal is possible spontaneously at home, Mm -hmm. starting with your ability to catch the right dream to use Mm -hmm. to open the doorway to a Mm -hmm. realm of healing. You can certainly do that for yourself. So anybody who's willing to play the game of catching more of their dreams and hanging out more in the liminal space of hypnagogia is on the right way for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to take a little bit of a, a break. A, a driving over here, I was thinking of, of, of questions to ask you and, and opinions of yours that I'd, I'd love to hear. And one that I've been asking a few people on the show lately is in reference to uh, Jeremy Taylor's statement that all dreams come in the service of health and wholeness. Very well-known uh, principle of dream work and, and guidepost for a lot of different forms of dream work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your book, you talk about dreaming other people's dreams. You know, the dreams of the of the dead that we don't we no longer want to hang on mm-hmm. or hold or feed those yeah. uh, spirit forms. How do you relate to that statement in your own words? No, no indigenous people agrees with Jeremy. Yeah. I don't know any indigenous tradition that maintains that all dreams come in the service of health and wholeness. I've talked to Jeremy about this, and I said to him that from my point of view. This is as true and as untrue as saying that everything that happens in life comes in the service of health and wholeness, including Hitler, Stalin, and all the rest of it. Any challenge that arises is something that, if we can rise to meet it, mm-hmm. may serve our health and wholeness, but the origin of the challenge is not necessarily benign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bad things go on in the dreaming. There are bad neighborhoods in the dreaming, just as there are bad neighborhoods in regular life. They're very similar in that respect. And one of the most telling stories in the book, it's actually an amazing story, is of a woman who was haunted from the age of four by dreams of, be, of people being spattered with, with brains and blood in some kind of paddy field and being horrified by all the slaughter and torture. She was so traumatized by these battlefield dreams uh, in which helicopter blades, the whir of a helicopter was featured, that she couldn't even listen to an air conditioner. This went on until she met me in her 40s. And instead of going back inside that dream, I said, let's go back to your condition when you were four years Mm -hmm. old. And we discovered that at four years old, she had forgotten this or never knew it. She was living in an area near to an airbase where bodies were being flown back in body bags from the Vietnam War. She was only four years old at this time. And her father at the same time was bringing souvenirs harvested from the dead in the Vietnam War, including dog tags, Mm -hmm. uh, other personal items, and keeping them in a shoebox in his closet. So she picked up in her energy field and then in her dreams and nightmares the dreams of dead soldiers that were around. Now, you can say that comes in the service of health and wholeness when 40 years later she is able to understand what is going on and do a cleansing ritual and help to relocate the souls of the dead soldiers that were wrongfully in her field. Mm -hmm. But that statement doesn't really help in the practice. It doesn't really. 
I like the idea, and I'm reading, this, I'm reading something of Jeremy's statement, which is not necessarily there, but I like the idea that we can choose to make anything that happens mm-hmm. an occasion to grow in mm-hmm. health and wholeness. But as I repeat, the origin of dreams, like the origin of events in waking life, is not altogether necessarily in the service of health and wholeness. Mm-hmm. And I repeat, I don't know any indigenous people who shares this attitude. Some of them are far more scared of some dream, dream phenomena than our Western psychology is because they recognize transpersonal factors, dark as well as light, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. our psychology tends not to talk about. Mm-hmm. This uh, leads me to another great concern of mine uh, in terms of our health as a nation. I think the, the critical piece in our na- national psyche right now is post-traumatic stress right. and the dreams of uh, soldiers and families and how that how that goes through generationally and creates just bad problems right. personally and collectively. Right. Can you, I mean, I know that you, you work with groups. Do you have any good news from that particular battleground to report? Any ways that you see uh, active imagination, uh, active dreaming coming yes. into that Yes, arena? yes. I mean, all the techniques of active dreaming, my preferred name for what I offer, mm-hmm are deeply and urgently relevant to healing our wounded warriors. They're part of the healing. And this this ranges from dream theater, in which people help to to act out their Mm -hmm. dreams and nightmares and memories in a way which can move towards healing and resolution as as the original dream or nightmare is expanded and continued to the place of resolution. We do that very fast and very fun and very deeply. So the theater, the play acting, the performance is part of it. The recognition that an aspect in the condition of uh, our wounded warriors is what Native Americans call ghost sickness is central, that we are dealing not only with the the broken soldier, but we're dealing with what he or she is carrying with them from the fields of battle, including the energies or spirits of the dead. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. One of my first workshops at Esalen, where I've taught for 16 years now, uh, there's a former combat lieutenant from Vietnam there who'd been haunted all his life since Vietnam by terrible, terrible dreams. And he revealed that he had lost every soldier in his platoon in battle in Vietnam. He had survived. In his dreams, they come after him as the angry dead who don't understand why he's alive. The officer is alive, and the enlisted mm-hmm. men are dead. So I guided him. I traveled with him shamanically with the drum. I traveled to meet each of those dead soldiers one by one and make peace with each mm-hmm. of them. And at the end of that, that was cleared. Mm-hmm. So that is that is a practice, that's a, shaman, a simple shamanic practice of journeying based on the understanding that spirits are for real, spirits of the dead are for real, and they're very much part of the picture when we're talking about PTSD or whatever name we want to give it. The shamanic approach to this is also, if somebody's having a nightmare or terrible images or chaotic images, you don't suppress those with medication or psychology. You work with those and you help the person who is caught in that terrifying forest of the night to travel through that forest to a place of clearing and safety. You go with them on those roads. Uh, This is not perhaps for the beginner. This is perhaps Mm -hmm. not amateur work. You need people who have traveled similar roads managed to get through without getting lost or stuck. So I find everything that I'm offering here, including the dream reentry technique, including the, the idea that dreaming is social and we can dream with each other in groups and support mm-hmm. each other inside the dream space, including the idea that dreams require a lot more than verbal analysis. They will require movement, action, dance, mm-hmm. theater, performance. Mm-hmm. Get it around, shift the energy. Mm-hmm. And including the transpersonal understanding that dreaming is involves people other than the dreamer. It's not yeah. just about personal psychology. It's about a whole family of connections. Mm-hmm. And we will work and weave within those connections. All of that, I think, is urgently required. Mm-hmm. Urgently required. Not irrelevant, urgently required yeah. as we try to address these problems. Yeah. I'm, I'm teaching your uh, lightning dream work method along oh, with a few others um, 
in a Dreams for Spiritual Mentoring class mm -hmm. at, at, a, at a seminary. And one of the things that I just want to underline that I, I like about your method is the the charge to go out and do something to honor the yeah. dream. Yeah. Actually, that physicality. Yeah. And I like that in your book you actually mention a few different purifications. You've got salt water purification, oh, yes. which is really the basic. I mean, if you had one thing to carry with you, it would be a bag of salt, right? You know, as far I, as I know, I normally carry a bag of sea salt with yeah. me. Uh, yeah. I, I'm traveling light this time. Suitcases can get overweight pretty right. easily these days. But I usually carry a bag of sea salt. Mm -hmm. Cleansing with salt, and we did it yesterday in the workshop in Sebastopol that I led. I mean, cleansing with salted water is an immediate quick fix yeah. For, both for space and for an individual. So mm -hmm. if you come to one of my workshops, you're likely to get showered with salt water, like it, like it or not, mm -hmm. as part mm -hmm. of the clearing. Cleansing by fire is wonderful too. I mean, when appropriate, I lead fire cleansings, and I describe several of them in the new book, and I describe extraordinary things that happened in some of these fire cleansings through the creativity and initiative of the people who are ready to shift the heavy energy they were carrying. And, and that's a very simple procedure. You make the fire, you have a supportive circle, people will make or craft or write something that will burn that represents something they want to cast mm -hmm. out of their lives. They will stand in front of the fire, announce their intention, they will give the object or the writing to the fire, they will blow or spit into the fire, thereby shifting the energy from their body, and they will be applauded and celebrated. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how quickly that can shift things. And a physical ritual of simplicity and authenticity like that is helpful in many situations, including quite extreme ones. I and mean, this works like a charm with some people, mm -hmm. or some of those wounded warriors you're talking about, who need physical rituals. Yeah. Actually, they might, they might need more than that, but that is something that works and helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I appreciate you bringing that, that underlying theme of actual physical manifestation into, yeah. into your dream work. And one of the things that I'm curious about, you mentioned your daughters. Do you have... Do you, are they dreamers? Are they strong dreamers as well? Oh, yes. I mean, my daughters were my most important teachers in this lifetime when mm. they were very small. And I say to people, you know, if you want to find a master teacher of dreams, listen to a very young child yes. because they live close to the dreaming. They're masters of the imagination. The first chapter of my previous book, Active Dreaming, is all about dreaming with young children. Mm -hmm. And the title of that chapter is borrowed from my youngest daughter when she was four years old. Mm -hmm. The phrase is, punch a hole in the world. <laughs> Sophie said this to me, aged four. She said, Daddy, you know I go to this magic kingdom where I have this friend? Yes, yes, yes. Do you want to know how I go there? She says to me. Sure. She says, sometimes I take the sun gate. Sometimes I take the moon gate. Sometimes I take the tree gate. Sometimes I take the rainbow bridge. And sometimes... I punch a hole in the world. <laughs> wow. From the, not because she's my child, but because she's herself. Mm -hmm. She's her own person. Mm -hmm. She's her own shamanic type. Young children mm -hmm. are like that. I punch a hole in the world. What a fantastic way to look at how you move between realities. Yeah. The same daughter said at the same age, in the middle of the night, I keep funny hours. She said, Dad, I'm having a scary dream. Yeah, what's going on? Two yucky monsters are chasing me. Really? She doesn't seem too scared. So what do you do? Oh, I put on a dragon costume and I chased them back. That's my girl. <laughs> she reminded me when she heard me telling this story that after this, those monsters turned into rainbow-colored birds that mm -hmm. lived in her pillowcase and were always available when she needed them. I don't. My, my daughters are now grown. The youngest had just graduated from college. We don't talk about dreams on a regular basis mm -hmm. the way we used to, but I did this with them from when they could first tell dreams and stories until the age of nine, the same in each case. I helped them to create from the dreams, make drawings, then to write them. Then as they could write more and more, they'd be keeping a formal journal. Mm -hmm. I would keep the previous sketches in a journal, not just on the fridge. 
So we have journals of their dreams from the age of two or three up to the age of nine. At nine o'clock, at nine o'clock, at nine years old, each of them said the same thing. They said, that's it, Dad, you can't read my book anymore. It's my secret book and you can't look at it, which means that it's working. Mm -hmm. So we have these treasure houses. Mm -hmm. And we, I never discussed, is this a dream or is this mm -hmm. a story or are you making it up? I mm -hmm. never talked to them that way. The one, and one, another bad thing adults do with kids when they listen is they try and categorize it and define it according to adult classification. Mm -hmm. Kids don't think that way. They simply don't. And why should we impose our broken and compartmentalized patterns of thought on a child who knows the multidimensional universe firsthand and remembers in a way that most adults have forgotten. And we should never interpret children's dreams. Mm -hmm. We should give them something to do with them. We should never, ever, ever say it's only a dream. The child That's doesn't right. trust you. If, right. if the child's come from a place of terror and you say it's only a dream, they don't trust you. You give them an ally. So... So I've learned a lot from kids, and I lead programs for families and kids occasionally, uh -huh. and I teach yeah. others who work with kids yeah. constantly. Yes, I think one of the, the great uh, remedies that, that kids add to our practice is that they, they, they can sort of take away the preciousness that we sometimes feel about our own particular methods. I, when my son, who's now, uh, he'll be 27 uh, next month, he was uh, six. I was using smudge and, you know, sage and... and he came up to me and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm smudging to the four directions. And he just snorted and he said, I just throw rocks at the four directions. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> like okay. a six-year-old boy. Wake them up, yeah. I'll throw <laughs> rocks and wake them up. That's right. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about what you're up to next. You're going down to Corte Madera. Are, you're moving on to Michigan after this? Is Yes, I'm at Book Passage in Court Madero tonight. I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan for four days from mm -hmm. Thursday through the weekend. We're doing a shamanic dreaming workshop in Ann Arbor, mm -hmm. talking bookstores. Then I'm in New York City for a couple of days at the end of June. Then in July, I'm leading two very big programs at one of my favorite places on the West Coast near Seattle. It's called, oh, yeah. it's called Mosswood Hollow. It's out there in the foothills of the Cascades. Oh. One is called the Temple of Shamanic Dream Healing, mm -hmm. five days yeah. of healing ritual, dream work, practical shamanism. And then I'm leading uh, level two of my training for teachers of active dreaming. Mm -hmm. People are now coming from all over the world for these things. We have people mm -hmm. from my teacher trainings coming from Uganda, South Africa, Australia, mm -hmm. Romania, mm -hmm. France, mm -hmm. Spain. And I'm teaching internationally too. They come to me and I go to them. I'm yeah. teaching later this year in Turkey, in, uh, in Romania, in uh, Brazil. And then I go on to mm -hmm. uh, Prague, Bratislava, the Netherlands. It's, right. it's, I spent half my life on the road and the other half uh, living more privately and writing my books. Right. My right. first collection of poetry comes out early next year, oh, titled Here Everything is Dreaming. Yes. And I have just decided on my next book, but I'm not going to announce that yet. Right. But I've just decided what it was. For several months, I gave myself the pleasure of saying, no, I'm not working on a book, don't ask yeah. me, because I'm about to publish my 22nd mm. formal mm -hmm. book, you know, right. book within covers. Right. I've done audio books, video books. Yeah. And I want to take a few months when I was sure. not writing a book for a while. But there, there is another book, and it's being born right now. There's always one knocking at the door, isn't there? <laughs> well, in my case, it's worse than that, Anne, because it's like having quintuplets or fighting to come out first. I always have at least four or five books that would like to be born, and I can feel them kicking and jostling and sometimes trying to deprive each other of nutrition inside me so that yes. one will get out first yes. and be strongest. So I never feel that I've just got one book inside okay. me. I have many. Well, I was trying to put a positive spin on it. <laughs> well, it is positive. It's, I'd rather have quintuplets fighting, fighting each other than have nothing in there at all, actually. <laughs> I guess that's true. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. I, I think that I mean, the, the scale at which you're working, it, it seems like you've pretty much topped out what one person can physically do as far as travel and stuff. So it's interesting to me to see that you, you know, you're, you're creating communities where you go, or at least it sounds like that's your, your intention with, with doing dream, uh, having people study your methods, be able to teach, and then kind of hold the anchor in various Parts of the country. Yes. A few hundred people have now compete, completed some level or other of my three-year training for teachers of active mm-hmm. dreaming. I think we have over 100 who's completed level three. You know, we are dreamers. This is yeah. not some sort of hierarchical organization. We have to go and do it by boilerplate mm-hmm. or do it by rote. So I expect the people who trade for me to go out, take this, adapt it, and mm-hmm. bring it into their existing practice and bring it into their community in their own ways. Nonetheless, I'm authorizing and training people to teach workshops based directly on my techniques. Mm-hmm. And more people will be doing that. Mm-hmm. We have groups in different areas, so your dream schools in different areas where people can go. But I'm not a controlling type. I'm a dreamer. Mm-hmm. So right. I essentially I give people the tools and say, make of them what you will. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are interested in this, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's growing. I also recognize that I want to leave a legacy of people beyond myself who can right. carry this work. Right. And also as dreamers will improvise and add to it and continue to grow it. Mm-hmm. So if you could say one thing to uh, to people that you feel like is the most important message right now in terms of, of listening to dreams, what would that be? Well, this is a way of finding your bigger life story. And when you found your bigger story, the bigger and braver story of your life, then you can live it and then you can learn to tell it really well. Mm-hmm. This is what it's about for me. I'm a storyteller. Right. I teach by stories. I help, I, I help people to find their stories and tell them and to live them. So that, for me, is what it's all about, finding the courage and clarity and energy and dynamism that comes from being conscious that you are part of a larger story than everyday circumstances mm-hmm. sometimes seem to present. Great. Well, thank you so much, Robert. I appreciate you making time for this interview, and thanks for all your work on behalf of it dreams. It's my pleasure, Anne, and may your best dreams come true. Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. That wraps up another Dream Talk Radio podcast. I'm Anne Hill, and you can find my past shows at dreamtalkradio.net and on iTunes. Be sure and join the Dream Talk Radio Facebook page or follow me on Twitter at Anne Hill to get announcements about future shows. Thanks for listening.